Chapter 13 of A Story of Love by Francis Cassilli. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 13 God's Living Temple. As a king's home is called a palace, so God's dwelling place is called a temple. And since the just soul, as we have seen, is God's abode, it can very properly be styled his temple and this is the very appellation given it by st paul who tells the corinthians you are the temple of the living god as god saith i will dwell in them and walk among them and i will be their god and they shall be my people in another epistle he speaks thus know you not that you are the temple of god and that the spirit of god dwelleth in you in the days of good king david god complained to him that he had no permanent dwelling place but that from the day he brought the children of israel out of the land of egypt he had been forced to dwell in a tabernacle or a tent david then began to prepare for the building of the temple which was undertaken and finished by king solomon solomon built it on a most magnificent scale as can be seen from the fact that he had seventy thousand men to carry burdens eighty thousand to hew stones in the mountains and three thousand six hundred to oversee them and he gathered workers in gold and silver in brass and iron marble and wood and in purple and scarlet and blue and in that time silver and gold became as common as the stones of the street and after the destruction of the first temple the lord complained by the mouth of the prophet Aegeus that the people dwelt in sealed houses while his own house lay desolate this reproach moved the chosen people to begin the construction of the second temple which however seemed so inferior in comparison with the grandeur of the first that old men who had seen both wept on beholding its foundations to encourage the builders the prophet foretold great shall be the glory of this house more than of the first for into it would come the desired of all nations meaning by this jesus christ the temple was a holy place for it was dedicated to the service of god it belonged to him and was sanctified by his presence on the dedication day of solomon's temple the priest could not enter it because the majesty of the lord had filled it i have sanctified this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever and my eyes and heart shall be there always was god's own promise to solomon and solomon made bold to ask that all prayers might be heard in god's house the petition for rain when the heavens were shut up or against the pestilence mildew locusts caterpillars and when the enemy wasted the country or besieged the cities and the prayer of the penitent sinner who begged for pardon and god was pleased to grant the request of solomon promising that when his people made supplication to him and did penance he would forgive their sins and heal their soul and restrain the ravages of the foe we recall how christ 
indignant with the money-changers and traffickers in the temple drove them out with knotted cords and upset their tables because they had changed the temple from a house of prayer to a den of thieves the jewish people favored as they were by god had only the one temple while there are millions of christian temples clustered in cities and scattered over the countryside throughout the world we call these christian temples churches and though some of them are splendid cathedrals or basilicas triumphs of art and poems in stone many are but little better than wayside barns or hovels but one and all they are grander and more majestic than solomon's temple for if the second temple was greater than the first because it was to be graced with christ's transient presence what shall we say of christian churches which derive their dignity and honor not from being the storehouse of the ark or the tables of the law or the showbread but because of the eucharistic sacrifice and the abiding presence of christ body and blood soul and divinity hallowed then are the temples of the old and the new law to god and his service to prayer and sacrifice and not less holy is the christian soul in which god dwells or rather more sacred is the soul for while temples have only extrinsic holiness in so far as they are reserved for the service of god the soul is intrinsically formally holy possessing moral goodness participating in the divine nature beautified and sanctified by living grace of which no material building is capable st paul argues that as our members are the temple of the holy ghost it must follow that we belong no longer to ourselves but to him he who buys anything becomes its owner now we have been bought purchased at a great price the blood of christ and so we are his property god has sanctified us and made us his dwelling and woe to him who violates this sanctuary and retreat who desecrates his own soul for such a one is guilty of rapine he robs the deity of his home and him shall god destroy a temple is essentially but an enclosed altar whether the enclosure be a throng of adorers a grove of trees on a high place or walls of stone and an altar is a stone of sacrifice the true religion and most of its spurious imitations have ever embodied sacrifice in their worship in the old law sacrifice embraced a wide range of victims from the first fruits of field and flock to libations of wine and the burning of incense at the dedication of solomon's temple there were offered twenty-two thousand oxen and one hundred and twenty thousand rams the christian religion too has its great sacrifice of which all others were but types and figures the clean oblation that is offered from the rising of the sun to its setting and the practical idea of a christian church is a structure conveniently arranged for the assistance of the faithful at the holy sacrifice on entering the portals of the church 
the eye is at once seized and led by line and pillar aisle and nave to the high altar on which rests the sacrificial stone arch and wall sculpture fresco cornice and frieze are all subordinated to the absorbing spot guarded by chancel rail where the interest centers so that the imagination almost hesitates whether chancel and transept wall and roof were built round their tabernacle or grew out of it by a living growth of stone and marble and tile as corolla petal and stamen unfold from the bud the living temple of god in the soul also has its altar of sacrifice the sacrificial knife must be ever ready to slay upon it whatever we most prize and cherish our own will must be offered as a sweet-smelling holocaust how dear to the natural man is it to follow his own vagarities to idle or labor do or undo choose or leave as whim or fancy moves without sense of responsibility or care but the supernatural man must restrain will and fancy make them an oblation upon the altar of self-conquest to subdue regulate and conquer natural inclination and make our own will entirely subservient to god's is pretty much the whole of the spiritual life affection to creatures those mobile ever-changing objects outside of us that are constantly assuming new forms and shapes of loveliness as the fabled lorelei is another appropriate victim of sacrifice we must learn to regard creatures only as passing manifestations of creative power to look through and behind them to the creator himself beautiful indeed and ravishing of spirit are created things when regarded with a pure and simple eye as reflections of their maker and messengers of his eternal love but death-provoking and sinful when they wean us from god to the worship of themselves then they become but false gods and we their idolatrous worshippers creature love is thus to be sacrificed upon the altar of the heart not that we are called on to eradicate or destroy our natural affections but rather to elevate and supernaturalize them by the principles of faith and charity natural love which leads us away from god to rest in creatures for their own sake is an enemy to the soul we must learn so to love our neighbor and the good things of life that in and through them we love their creator and use or cherish them but for him and so it will come to pass that the more we love god the more tender intense and absorbing will be our affection for all his creatures thus moses loved the chosen people when he asked to be blotted out of the book of life if god would not pardon them so saint paul loved the christians when for their sake he wished to be an anathema from christ this was the spirit of the great christian saints of the gentle franciscan founder who spoke of brother son and sister death and of the innumerable hosts who doomed themselves to lifelong toil and labor and even to chains and death 
for the welfare of their neighbor a temple is a place of silence and prayer we escape from the turbulent tide that ebbs and flows in the crowded city streets into the quiet recesses of the christian church where the noises of life are hushed or subdued into a distant murmur there the glow of the sanctuary lamp speaks to us of the unseen presence and we whisper our sentiments of love and devotion the temple of our soul too must be barred to the profane unholy things without it must ever be redolent of the lingering incense of prayer and its aisles must echo only to the voice of praise and adoration its silence must not be disturbed by the jangling noises and discord of daily life converse with the deity by ejaculatory prayer fervent acts of the will by union of affection and desire must be its normal state what consolation when harassed by the worries and trials of life to know that we are not forced to seek rest and refreshment of spirit in a temple made with hands that we can instantly have recourse to the hallowed sanctuary of our own soul where dwells the ineffable presence of the triune god to whom we can speak in all the fullness of love and from whom will come an answer soft melodious and clear as the distant peal of an angelus bell on a still and tranquil evening End of chapter 13